Hello and welcome to Tech Latest by Nikkei Asia, where we bring you the freshest updates from the technology sector in Asia. Every episode, one of our reporters from the region will be filling us in on the tech news on their radar, from semiconductors in China to space travel in Japan to startups in Indonesia. From Nikkei Asia's Tokyo headquarters, I'm Alice French. In this episode, I'm chatting to Annie Chengting Fang, our tech correspondent based in Taipei, about Huawei's lofty smartphone ambitions for 2024 and how it hopes to achieve them. Hi, Annie. Great to speak to you as always. Alice, I'm very glad to be here. Now, last month, we did a couple of episodes about Huawei's latest Mate 60 Pro smartphone, the release of which generated a lot of hype in China right around the time of Apple's iPhone 15 release. Now, you were writing about Huawei again this week. What's the latest on their smartphone endeavors? Yes, with that 5G-capable Mate 60 Pro secret release that caught global attention, we heard Huawei really hoped to restore its lost market share for phones at least in China and show the world they can get around some U.S. export controls. Well, we heard Huawei has set an ambitious goal to ship 60 to 70 million units of smartphones for 2024, doubling what they are doing this year and last year. Now it's about 30 to 35 million a year. We are not very sure how many percentage of these will be 5G capable, but we heard that its domestic chip maker SMIC or SMIC Capacity is about 36 million units of 5G chipset a year if everything is all. Wow, those are some pretty ambitious plans. And how does Huawei plan to meet those targets? We heard they have booked more components since earlier this year, from lens to print circuit board related parts. Also, uh, to avoid any fresh disruptions, it has asked Qualcomm, its only 4G mobile chip provider who got the U.S. exemptions to supply to Huawei to ship the chips they need for the full year as early as June. Okay, but this grand comeback plan could come up against some roadblocks, particularly in the form of the U.S.'s crackdown on Huawei and on Chinese tech in general, right? Yes, I heard from several Washington-based friends from chip sector, law firms, and think tanks that the U.S. is indeed planning an update to tighten again on the already quite sweeping export control last year on chip-making equipment and precision components for chip equipment, as well as AI chips. Some lawmakers even urged to fully block any licenses to Huawei and SMIC chip sector. So U.S. just introduced restriction rules on chip tools last October 7, while Japan and the Netherlands rule just took effect in recent months. So also trade records also show China has already bought a lot of vital chip equipment since U.S.-China tension escalated. I checked the numbers. China has become the world's top market for chip equipment since 2020. And China already bought more than 100 billion of chip tools from 2018 through 2022. 
So in that case, they can still buy some time to alleviate the impact of U.S. Uh, export controls and develop their own chip equipment and the chip production sector. Nonetheless, there are definitely a lot of challenges ahead for Huawei. And our Nikkei Asia colleagues in Europe actually reported on Wednesday that it might not only be the U.S. that the company has to contend with. EU countries are also starting to get tougher on China's tech industry. Can you tell us a bit about that? The EU is looking into tighten export and investment controls on sensitive technologies as concerns over the bloc's reliance on China grows. We saw some European nations from France, Sweden, Denmark, and the UK started to block Huawei and ZTE's participation in their critical 5G uh, rollout and infrastructure. And so uh, some uh, measures the EU began to probe Chinese EV subsidies. However, it is not that easy for the whole EU to get all the member states on the same page. So it's not that simple uh, for these de-risk efforts to have a meaningful impact very soon. So Huawei's attempt to claw back its share of the smartphone market is definitely something that we'll be keeping an eye on in the weeks to come. Thanks so much, Annie, for giving us a rundown on that. Now, just before we go, are there any other tech stories that you'd like to recommend to listeners this week? It's not necessarily tech uh, story, but uh, something that is important and related to tech. I would like to recommend several stories related to Japan's investment opportunities, particularly our big story this week to look at how a weakening Japanese yen could affect business and economy. Despite weak currency being bad to local consumers buying power for foreign goods, many economists actually found it is benefiting almost all other business sectors from cars, tech, semiconductor to bank and energy. For most Japanese companies doing business globally, a soft yen is a blast as it increased the value of overseas earnings when they exchange back to yen. The better sales performance, in turn, helps lift the stock market and improve investors' confidence. And that is really a tech boom going on in Japan. Thank you. Yes, I would also highly recommend everybody to take a look at our big story published on Wednesday this week. Okay, well, thanks very much, Annie. It's always great to speak to you and get your insights on Asia's tech industry. Looking forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode. You can read more of Annie's reporting, along with a host of other stories about Asia's tech industry, on Nikkei Asia's website, asia.nikkei.com. And if you like what you hear, why not subscribe to our weekly Tech Asia newsletter, which will be delivered to your inbox every Thursday. There's a link to sign up in the show notes. And check back in next time for more updates on the tech trends that matter. Music.